0: you're listening to sunday sermons from warren community church if you'd like to learn more about us visit warrencommunitychurch.org if you have your bibles turn with me to matthew uh, chapter 19 uh, this morning and while you're turning just a quick announcement something that I Totally let slip my mind this week and we were talking about announcements is this afternoon uh, It's the fifth Sunday and so we go to Calvary Rescue Mission every uh, fifth Sunday of, of the months that have that and uh, so tonight's that night uh, If you want to go serve we would love for you to go uh, we will leave here at three o'clock Uh, actually need a few extra people, uh, if you can make that happen. If not, totally understand, but just an opportunity to serve. Uh, But we'll leave from the church at 3 o'clock if you uh, desire uh, to go and be a part of that. Um, Today we're talking about overcoming conflict uh, through the gospel as we continue our series on the gospel-centered family. And just a quick question, how many in here, don't raise your hands, or you can't, Took what Pastor Ken preached about last week and tried to put it into practice this week, uh, communicating, uh, considering, courting—all uh, of those amazing things that he talked about. So I hope you did. I hope your uh, evaluation goes up uh, through the series, and when we reevaluate at the end of this, that everybody in the church is on a 10. Uh, but today we're talking about overcoming conflict, and I want to read this verse uh, and just kind of set, set it. We'll be in different verses, uh, different passages. But Matthew 19, um, verse 4 says this, And he answered, speaking about Jesus, and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? and said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother "...be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh." In verse 6, "...so then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together, let no man separate." So you have this this picture of of marriage, uh, God bringing male-female together in this uh, God-ordained marriage, and it says that God has joined them together... Then over here it says, let no man separate. Uh, the word joined there, the second word joined is actually the Greek. The first is in Hebrew because it's quoting the Old Testament. It means to pair. Uh, the word joined uh, at the very end of the verse is actually means joined together in marriage. So God joins us together and it says, let no man separate. And so in between God joining and the possibility of man separating is what? conflict. That's where it all kind of falls apart. Uh, and so today we want to talk about how do we overcome conflict because it's going to happen and, and we know that. And then Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another. That's a good place to start. Uh, Tender-hearted, forgiving one another even as God in Christ forgave you. So this morning, uh, just kind of getting into it, think about this. Jesus is the prince of peace what the Bible says. So if we're going to have peace uh, in, our, in our marriage and our relationships, the only place you can really find peace is found in Jesus. And here's the thing. He didn't establish peace by ignoring sin. He establishes peace by defeating sin. Uh, he didn't duck and run when sin showed up. He came and defeated sin on the cross and through his resurrection. And conflict, we all have experienced it sometime in our life. It can be painful, uh, it can be dangerous, and it it can be destructive. Uh, And we can't run from that. But I believe when we battle conflict biblically, and that's what we want to point at is how does the Bible tell us to handle this, that when we tackle sin instead of our spouse, it can take on a whole new meaning. Actually, we'll see just today that if we handle conflict biblically, it can even increase our love uh, for one another. Uh, So learning to deal with conflict in a godly, constructive way can lead to a much deeper uh, relationship. So I think the best place to start is don't get stuck on who's right and who's wrong, but get focused on the solution. And how do you do that? You overcome the solution is is The gospel which is why we have titled this whole series The Gospel-Centered Family. So, so the first thing is the reality of conflict. We, we know it's going to happen. It is inevitable, um, and I say that because I think if you read uh, several of Paul's letters especially, you can see where he puts things in place. He's writing to churches that are having conflict in the church, a lot of them, and he puts sin to, to place a way to overcome it and in Ephesians 4 I just want to read a few verses in Ephesians 4 uh, 25 through 32 it says therefore putting away lying let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor for we are members of one another uh, be angry and do not sin do not let the Sun go down on your wrath nor give place to the devil um, verse 28 talking a little bit about stealing uh, let him who stole steal no longer but rather let him labor Working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Verse 29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, uh, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. You want to overcome conflict with your spouse? Uh, Watch what you say. And let your words, instead of destroying them, let it be to edify them. Uh, Verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Let's pray. Father, we come to you, God, and I love your word, uh, not just because it's alive and it brings life to us, but because it it definitely leads and guides us and god when we apply that to every situation of our life lord especially in our our relationships with our spouses and our families uh, god it can uh, be uh, such a guide to help us uh, grow closer together so god as we walk through your word your uh, scripture today god i pray that lord that all of us in here uh, would grow closer to our spouses Uh, Father, if there is, in this room this morning, uh, a God-conflict between a husband and a wife or or a family, that God, your Holy Spirit would rain down on their lives and in the situation, and today, God, they would confess it, uh, repent, and God, restore, uh, Lord, the relationship. And Father, I pray that, God, we walk out of here today understanding that conflict, dealt with in a biblical way can actually lead to a deeper relationship with one another uh, god we thank you uh, for these moments and uh, we just praise you in jesus name amen so here's the reality we all know this conflict is part of your marriage uh, regardless of how well you are fit you are you fit together Uh, No matter how spiritual either one or both of you are, conflict is just one of those things. Why? It's because it's two sinners living under one roof. Uh, You are going to get on each other's nerves. Amen? Uh, Yeah. And you are going to say things sometimes just out of complete emotions and excuse this ignorance. And I say ignorance because about two weeks into our marriage ignorance fell out Um, we were happily married man we were excited about being together two weeks in my wife I come home from work she has a gallon of tea made she pours it for me I take a sip of it and I said you need to learn to make tea like my mama yeah y'all act like y'all have never said anything like that before I learned real quick, you know, she said, well, you just maybe need to go back to your mama. (laughs) So we started off conflict management really well. I learned quickly just to shut up (laughs) Uh, and and not say things like that. Nobody told me that you're not supposed to tell her that she needs to, you know, make tea like your mom. Uh, But it is, it's just we say things, and it hurts, and and little things sometimes that we we really kind of blow off Uh, Can actually do a lot of damage Uh, It has been said in marriage uh, That it's like two porcupines cuddling together for warmth in the winter No matter how deep your love You will irritate one another from time to time And uh, I believe that is a good way of putting it Proverbs describes conflict this way Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam So drop the matter before dispute breaks out Um, Conflict can start as a crack literally in the dam of your relationship and if you do not handle it uh, with love and handle it biblically, it can absolutely collapse and do a lot of destruction uh, to the relationship. When conflict is handled poorly, it causes damage to the relationship and even at times the damage can be impossible to repair. But when it's handled biblically, when I say biblically through the lens of the gospel, wisely, lovingly, It can lead to even a greater intimacy. But don't fall for the old colloquialism. uh, Man, we uh, fighting's fun, but making up is better. Uh, Don't go start a fight. Uh, That's just not what we do. We we don't want to do that. Uh, Conflict can be discouraging. Uh, If you've ever dealt with conflict in any relationship, it can be discouraging. And I think a lot of times as believers, it can really even make us feel like failures, because the enemy comes in and says, well, if you really love Jesus and you really are who you say you are, you, have not had, you wouldn't have said that or you wouldn't have acted in this way. So not only can it be discouraging in the relationship, it's an attack on you personally uh, at times as well. Um, so here's the thing. It can either destroy or improve your marriage. We are striving for the latter. Uh, Ed Young, Pastor Ed Young said this, sometimes marriage is like a duel. But well, when we learn how to successfully handle conflict, it becomes a duet, and the harmony produced is almost divine. So, spouses must decide whether their marriage is going to be a duel or a duet. Uh, so, which one uh, will you choose? There's the idea of fighting wrong. Uh, a couple of things just to, I, I want to run through you. See if any of these, um, if you've hit you, defines the way you handle um, conflict, or have you heard of it before? The first one, I just called it the Alaskan response. Uh, And it's no offense to anybody from Alaska here. It's just that it's really cold there. Um, That's the reason we come up with it. Um, It's when you have uh, conflict, you turn the cold shoulder. uh, Both know there's a problem, but no one wants to say anything. Uh, Backing off and kind of muttering under your breath, never dealing with it openly. You're avoiding it, hoping it will fall out. But really what it does is add another layer of ice on the relationship. Uh, Instead of dealing with conflict, um, you just end up having more of a frozen mentality and you withdraw uh, from one another. So it's the idea of just turning the cold shoulder and forgetting, acting like it never happened. Uh, The other one is the Wild West response. That's when disagreement comes and both uh, parties pull out their six shooters and start shooting verbal bullets at one another. Uh, you just start shooting. You're not thinking. You're not filtering what you're saying. Uh, the old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. A bone will, will mend. A broken heart or spirit is hard to mend. And when you say words that you don't filter through the gospel, you can really do some devastating things uh, to the other party. Uh, feelings are vented and anger is released. Uh, there is plenty of drama uh, with this uh, kind of thing, but a lot of damage done along the way. Deep wounds are, are, are taken by both parties. Children uh, hear things they should never hear. Uh, I don't know how you handle those intense moments in your family, but I just encourage you as a young couple or couples in general— Uh, If you're having a disagreement, man, you need to move it to a place where the children are not listening to what's said. Um, And then be careful even then what you say. The issues are never dealt with because instead of attacking the problem, they attack each other. Uh, That's kind of the Wild West. Then you got the Houdini response. Uh, When conflict arises, they disappear. Um, You may run off and go shopping, you may immerse yourself in work, uh, those kind of things. Houdini response doesn't have the flair of the Wild West, but uh, it definitely never resolves the conflict. Then you have the WWF response. This is where the verbal assaults escalate into physical violence against one another. Ironically, it creates more pain than the original issue. It is like I say the WWF because you lose control, you throw things, you punch holes in perfectly good sheetrock. I call it fist and fingernails. Uh, But a lot of times those are different responses in the marriage uh, that, that we see and deal with. Many relationships begin with promise, and unfortunately they end with pain. In daily reality, disagreements arise and personalities clash Harsh words can lead to broken hearts and hurt feelings. Uh, Hidden hostilities choke the romance, and cloud of sorrow hangs over the relationship. And if the problem is left unresolved, it leads to the marriage being dissolved, and you find yourself purchasing a plot in a relational cemetery. So if we fight wrong, then this is what it leads to. So it starts with us. It starts with you. Uh, I want you to turn to Psalm 139 uh, 139 with me. Um, While you're turning there, we'll read it in a minute, but some things I want to share as you turn there. Here's the reason I say it starts with you. It's because you are at least 50% of the reason you experience conflict. Uh, When you look in the mirror, you have to say, the resolution starts with me. Uh, Even if you are not wrong, it still has to start with you, and and it has to start uh, with me. Almost every time I have counseled, and I know Pastor Ken can say this too, in marriage uh, issues, it's always they, them, it's always the other person's fault. Very seldom have I had. I have had it happen before where somebody comes in and just says, I'm the problem and I need help. Uh, but most of the time it's pointing fingers at the other. But it starts with us. James 4.1 says, Where does wars and fighting among you, where does it come from? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? So where does it come from? It comes from our desires. One of the great desires, a problem all across uh, uh, humanity is we want to be right. I mean, we want to be right. In the, in, the, in the argument, you want to win. You want to be right. We want to be right. So starting with ourselves is very contrary to even our nature and who we are. Um, it started in the garden Uh, and we've had thousands of years to improve on it, Uh, it's called blame-shifting. Blame-shifting is a manipulation tactic designed by the enemy to cause a deeper division instead of resolving conflict. Simply put, this is what blame-shifting is. I'm going to point out all of your wrong so I never have to look at my own. So that's how blame-shifting works. Man, the enemy came in, uh, if you remember, very, we say it a lot of times throughout years, uh, Adam looked and, and blamed it uh, on God. He said, God, you're the one that gave me the woman. The woman blamed it on the serpent. Adam blamed it on God. Uh, neither one of them looked at themselves and said, it was my fault uh, that, that all of this happened in the first place. Uh, beneath the battles we have with our spouses are really battles that we fight within ourselves. Uh, It is the root problem, and it's one of the biggest obstacles in handling conflict is our desires to be right. Uh, We want to be the ones that are right. Uh, But the Bible leads us to a much different way of resolving conflict. Uh, I believe what David says at the end of Psalms 139 is a great place to start. He says this, verse 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. He says, Try me. And know my anxieties. See if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. When's the last time you had um, conflict or a disagreement in your marriage where before you said anything, you simply said, God, search my heart? Before I even speak to my spouse, Lord, search me. And, And Lord, try me. Know me. See if there's anything in me that is wrong in this situation so that I can admit it and set the course for a, a solution versus coming in guns a blazing. It's your fault. You never listened to me. If you would have done this, if you hadn't have said this, everything would be okay. How about we just say, God, search me? Search me really just simply means investigate me. Start with me, Lord. Uh, know me. After you investigate, God, what you find, will you reveal to me? what the problem is, and then try me. Once you reveal it, will you lay it out before me and let's examine it out so we can come to a solution? See me. Lord, just inspect the whole cause and then lead me. Guide me to a solution. So it starts with us. It's against our nature. It is, and it's contrary to the world's solution. But if we'll simply take that Psalm 139 approach, and say, God, start with me, search me, test me, try me, guide me, lead me. Do that and then step into the situation and go, okay. I just want to lay it out before we ever get started. I have prayed and I have seen where I am wrong. So let's go forward. Real simple, isn't it, right? Everybody in here is a professional at it. We do it so well, right? Right. The second thing is the rejoicing over conflict. It's like, how do you rejoice over conflict? Well, one, it's not about winning. I think this is where we have to get. The argument, the situation, the issue at hand is not about winning. It's about coming together, finding a solution uh, that will bring uh, us closer together and handle this. Uh, Vince Lombardi, a great uh, football coach, Famous saying, winning isn't everything, but the will to win is. That's great in athletics, and that is wonderful in in business. Uh, But man, when it comes to uh, your marriage, it's poor doctrine. Uh, Because winning isn't everything in the marriage. Uh, It is literally finding a solution that brings honor to God. When it comes to marriage, it can never be about winning. It has to be about resolution, redemption, reconciliation. Uh, when this is the goal, the family wins. And the only loser... Listen, whenever the family resolves a situation, uh, redeemed, comes back in redemption with one another, and is reconciled, the only person that loses is the enemy. And his number one uh, uh, goal is to destroy your marriage. Okay? That's what he wants to do. And so whenever we do it the biblical way, he loses... Uh, love is about seeking what's best uh, for the other, not about winning the argument. Philippians 2, 2-4 uh, says, Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, that nothing, you can underline that, be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also the interests for the others. That is needs to be applied in our marriage. Hey, listen! Don't let anything be done with selfish ambition. Let it be done because you want what's best for your your spouse. So it's not about winning; it's about conflict resolution. How do we do that? Um, Most arguments, most disagreements, if we'll all be honest in the room, starts with our own selfishness. That's why James says that the conflict among you comes from your own selfish desires. It starts with selfishness. So we have to remove ourselves whenever we're dealing with these kind of things, and we have to look at, okay, what's the best way to fix this? What's the best way to overcome this? Uh, it can be handled in many ways. Some are good. However, I pray that as a, as a Christian couples, that our, our number one way of overcoming conflict is through the Bible. But here's just some common strategies. Again, this kind of reigns uh, true. Just, you know, kind of let it land where it lands. A uh, common strategy, appeasement. These are ways to... to, to Deal with conflict. Find ways to avoid conflict. Uh, sounds good. So this appeasement is usually someone who is very laid back. They don't want to. They 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 pride themselves on like I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to do that. So it's easier for me just to go along. Uh, the problem is with that type of person because they don't share in the situation and in their feelings. They feel discouraged and frustrated. Uh, they don't talk about the issues. They bottled it up. Do we have any of those people in here? It's like, we're just going to sweep it under the rug. Any of those in here? Can I tell you something about sweeping it under the rug? Eventually, the rug's going to be moved. If you live in my house, furniture is moved around quite often. You never come in in the dark because you may fall. So the deal is, is when we use this appeasement or this ignoring method eventually the rug will expose what you've swept under it. And normally when it does, it's very painful uh, because it wasn't dealt with uh, in the first place. Uh, The problem is easy uh, to sweep under the rug because having hard conversations, um, we don't like to do that. Uh, Conflict is never addressed. Frustrations build up. And guess what? We just continue to get worse. Eventually it blows up. Uh, I know nobody in here's marriage has ever had an issue where it blew up, right? Uh, another common strategy is win. I'm just going to prevail. I'm going to win this argument no matter what. I'm going to come out the victor. Uh, these people love conflict. They're not reluctant at all because they love to be on top. They usually dominate the conversation, uh, and they use intimidation even— If needed Uh, and the more inferior spouse usually retreats and doesn't say a word these ways nothing ever works Uh, but the biblical strategy is just the opposite if you know anything about uh, the Sermon on the Mount we always talk about Jesus's way of doing things is upside down from the world Uh, so the biblical strategies are totally different Uh, one is yielding Uh, Matthew 7 and 5 says, Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I've said this a while ago. Starts by examining uh, yourself, admitting when you are wrong. Uh, yielding is following the example of Jesus Christ. He laid down his life for us so we should yield and lay down our lives. Uh, for the betterment of our relationships and for our spouse. Listen, God would have been completely just if he had a rejected or even destroyed mankind when sin came into the picture. He would be completely just, and the angels would still be singing his praises if he rejected or even destroyed you. But what did he do? He came and laid down his life for you so that you could be forgiven of your sins and brought into a relationship with him so we could spend eternity uh, with him. So it's just simply loving your spouse and surrendering to that situation, you look at that as a benefit. Um, But then there is the idea of waiting. I've learned that too over the years. That man, just because there's a situation, uh, don't just dive into it and and go to slinging the bullets. Uh, Proverbs says it is honorable for a man to stop striving since any fool can start a quarrel. It doesn't take a smart person to start a fight, but it takes a wise person to back up and go, hold on a second. In waiting, think of it as reflecting on God's love for us. It is an important truth. When conflict arises, the timing on dealing with it as as important as the situation itself and the attitude behind it. Uh, No one wants to be bombarded with every issue, right? What if every time, and don't take this the wrong way because we know the Holy Spirit when we sin comes in and the Holy Spirit's job is to convict us. But just think about if every time you sin, Jesus was right in your ear just nagging you. Every time you failed, He was just in your face nagging you. Well, sometimes we kind of sit perched up waiting on something to go wrong so we can point out, oh, look what you've done. Look what you did. Oh, if you hadn't have said this, if you hadn't have done that. But the thing is, the Holy Spirit speaks with love. It speaks with grace. The Holy Spirit comes in with that gentle voice and just says, hey, you know what, you've sinned and you've broken this fellowship. Uh, we always say here, Brother Ken says it all the time when we're discussing different things. Right place, right time, and right heart. That's the three things we pray for when we're dealing with conflict or any kind of issue in the church body. Right place, right time, and right heart. And if all three of those things are not lined up, then wait. It may be the right place, but if you got the wrong heart, it's not the right time. It's so simple. Sometimes we just wait. But then we do have to confront it. Leviticus 19 says, You shall not hate your brother in your heart. You shall surely rebuke your neighbor and not bear sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Uh, sin is the enemy, not your spouse. And so the thing is, is you have to confront sin. Sin cannot be ignored. A great temptation when it comes to having the difficult conversations is just to brush it away. Like I said a minute ago, just ignore it. But if it's tucked away, it can lead to a silent grudge that germinates and takes root and can cause destruction. Uh, So the Bible teaches us that there's times to speak directly and honestly and that we have to do it in love um love uh is is what god has bestowed on us and it's what we should also do uh in relationship to our spouses uh so how do you kind of take away from that is uh, we can be right in principle but wrong in the way that we act on the principle and if that's the case you end up harming others because you're not acting in love um, We tend to think peace is the absence of conflict, but real peace is established by destroying sin. You want real peace in your marriage? Confront sin uh, in the marriage. And and it could be little things, but just be bold enough uh, to confront it. And then fight right. Uh, The key to lasting change in our marriages is learning how to take the ordinary moments of life and using them for extraordinary opportunities to embody the love of God. Nothing screams God's love. Uh, Nothing makes God's love more visible than forgiveness. Uh, Conflict is ordinary, wouldn't you say? Um, I'm pretty sure that everybody that walked in the building this morning, that not one family had any crosswords or conflict before they got to church. None. Like, yes, we got... I'm not even going... We've got a hand raised. We've got a confession. <laughs> How many times have you, just being honest, pulled up in the parking lot, and it's been going nuts on the way here, and usually it's the mom who turns around and says, you better straighten up, and you better walk in that church like everybody's... Had. Right? I mean, we're professionals at walking in the church and nothing's going on. But the reality is, is there's a lot of times, man, from the time you get up in the morning and leave your house till you walk through the doors, the enemy has some kind of way, like done something amazing inside your car, and it's just going on all over the place. But not here at Warren. Everybody here walks in just so, so ready Uh, The reality is, is conflict is ordinary. You know what is awesome, though, is forgiveness. Forgiveness is extraordinary. Forgiveness is amazing. God's message is unmistakable. Think about this. When Jesus was crucified, and the temple, uh, it says that the veil was torn in two, it was God saying that his people had been forgiven once and for all. That Jesus had done everything that needed to be done for us to be forgiven so that we could be in a right relationship with God. So we learn how to forgive the way God forgives. So if that's the case, then forgiveness in the relationship is releasing your spouse from the penalty of the sin. It's you going, listen, I understand that maybe even you were wrong, but today I'm going to forgive you and then you release them from that penalty. That means you don't come back to them next week and say, well, you remember what you said the other day? I, I'm, it still hurts. No, it's, it's walking away from it and releasing them from that penalty. Forgiveness is learning to sacrifice. Resolving conflict is drawing close to your spouse, even if you are hurt. I'll say that one again. <laughs> Forgiveness is drawing close to your spouse, even when... You are hurt. That's forgiveness. Payback is never on the table. It just—it can't even be in the conversation. Uh, forgiveness is accomplishing good through our conflict. God not only forgives us; this is good news. He promises to use our failures to do good in our lives and our relationships. He can take those moments that are broken that are battered, that are filled with pain, and He can shift those and make them to be something that is amazing, good, and can be used for His glory later. And that's kind of the way we should want to live. A conflict handled through the lens of Christ can only turn out good for your marriage. So here's the deal. The forgiveness that God gives us based on Jesus' one-time death on the cross is what bestowed on us day by day, by day for the rest of our lives that's good news if that's the case then we must be willing to display that same forgiveness day by day by day to our spouse it's just that simple how many? how many times should i forgive jesus said 70 times seven that's a lot day by day, so willingness to admit and forgive sin is nothing less than the good news of God's forgiveness being proclaimed in your marriage. If you want your marriage to be a message of the gospel, then preach the gospel of forgiveness in your marriage. The last thing is the restoration from conflict, overcoming the real problem. Here's the thing it doesn't take long for sin to show up in, in the picture. As you read Genesis, Genesis 1. Man, things are going great. At the end of Genesis 1, God even, it says that God looked at everything he had done, and he said that it was really good. And then you get into Genesis 2. He, he creates the woman, makes the woman for man's rib. He puts them together, ordains their marriage. He has this amazing wedding in the garden. God has ordained it. Man, it is like going really, really good. And then Genesis 3 just shows up, and then it's like, boom, we're confronted with sin. But overcoming the real problem, because here it is. The marriage that God created between Adam and Eve was distorted because of sin. God created unity. Sin brought division. God created safety. Sin brought danger. God created peace within the marriage, but sin brought conflict. I just want to tell you something. Those fig leaves are a much bigger picture than just two people covering their nakedness. Those fig leaves were two people trying to conceal their sin. And this is the thing, is we have to be willing to overcome it. Following the moment of this epic battle in the garden, God struck a fatal blow to the enemy. God cursed the serpent, and He made a declaration against Satan that that is still relevant today, and that's that he would put enmity between Satan and the woman and her seed. It was God would be giving us a way to expose and eradicate our sin. So you got to look at it, sin exposed. God gives us new hearts. Why? Well, when we place our faith and trust in Jesus, the Bible says he takes out the old heart and he makes us, what, a new person. Uh, God's conviction is one of the greatest gifts I don't know why we, as believers, act like the conviction of the Holy Spirit is a bad thing. It's actually one of the greatest gifts that the Holy Spirit could ever give you is to convict you of the wrong that's in your life and to show us through love. It is through conviction that our sin is brought to light. So how does this whole thing work in conflict? Uh, Well, we have a tendency to hide. And to bury our sin. But when we are faced with conflict, it can cause those things hidden to be exposed. For example, maybe you buried a feeling that happened way down the road and it's been buried and it's been kind of nagging at you and bothering you. Sometimes if conflict is handled right, it raises it up and you're able to, what, expose it. And you're able to do away with that hurt. You're able to put it behind you once and for all. Uh, it, it's, when God said that he would, would do that for us, it, it was a blessing. Sin exposed, but then sin eradicated. The thing with sin is until it is exposed, it is hidden. But once it's exposed, then you can eradicate it. Uh, Jesus died on the cross to eradicate sin, to take it away from us. First uh, John 1, 9, think about it. If we confess our sin, he's what? Faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Uh, Confessing sin is just a proclamation of going, God, I want to get on your side of these things. But refusal to address it is a proclamation of hopelessness and despair. And so I wonder how many just in this room today, in your relationship, you have buried feelings, you have buried hurt, you've ignored it, you've turned a blind eye to it, deep down inside it's nagging at you, and the Holy Spirit's just saying, hey, let's fix it once and for all, through the Bible, through the lens of the gospel, God wants to, to, to eradicate it, and He wants your marriage to be strong and to be biblical and to be filled with love and filled with joy. He wants the covenant that you made with your spouse to be more than just something on paper, but something that is, resides deep in your heart. He wants you to, to enjoy being married. But if you hide sin in your life, I don't care how big of a smile you walk in this church with. If you have hidden sin in your relationship, you are most miserable. Because as a believer, you cannot sin and it go unconfessed and be happy. So God wants to do an amazing work in your life. So if you're trying... To hide your sin today. I pray that the Holy Spirit. Don't let up. Until it is exposed. And it is eradicated. And I say that even for my own life. God start with me. Search me. Know me. Try me. And Lord if there be any wicked way found in me. God lead me. To a place on bended knee. To ask you for forgiveness. gonna be Over. Overwhelming the problem, overcoming it. How do you do that? Well, God did it with love. He overwhelmed us. Everyone desires to be overwhelmed with love. We know that conflict is inevitable, but the same should be said about love. The conflict of, between God and man was because of sin. How did God reconcile us? So Romans 5.8 said that God demonstrated His love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. John three sixteen says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Uh, Ephesians 2, 4 defines it as great love. 1 John 3, 1 says that he has what manner of love is this that the Lord has lavished, has poured his love on us. How many of y'all are glad for God's love today? Does your spouse deserve it? We want to be lavished with love. We want to praise God for John 3, 16. We want to walk in Romans 5, 8. And if I deserve it, I can promise you my wife does. Your wife does. Your husband does. Uh, Don't allow conflict to cause you to turn away your love. Allow conflict to make you demonstrate your love. Let love, truly what it says, cover a multitude of sin. I was thinking about this, and I'm getting ready to wrap up. Think of love as a piano. 88 keys. One end has deep, thunderous low end. The other end has kind of a light, airy, kind of a high end. There are moments where the piano needs to be played softly. There are moments where the piano needs to be played a little more intense to bring up the volume. Uh, not everyone who plays a piano is the greatest at playing. But it doesn't mean that the piano is not doesn't have the ability to sound great. It all depends on who is playing it. Right? And here's the thing. Uh... It can take an amateur or it can take a skilled player. But the piano is the one that brings out the sound. And when you think about this, most of us love somewhere in the middle, right? We're not amateurs, but we're definitely not loving like Christ. But whenever you wrap your love, wrap your marriage in Jesus, He's mastered every key, every progression, every sound that can come from a piano, From love, God has mastered it. So whenever I play uh, metaphorically the keyboard of our lives through the love of Jesus, I can sound pretty good to Tiffany. But whenever I want to do it on my own, it can sound pretty bad. And I don't know about you, but an out-of-tune piano, even with the greatest player, doesn't sound good. And whenever your love is out-of-tune... It just does not work well in the marriage. But they deserve it. And whenever I love her through the lens of Jesus, I can love her as a skilled professional. And every one of us in here have that ability through Jesus Christ. This is overwhelming love. It doesn't mean I always have to agree with her. Right? It doesn't mean that we always have to get along. But what it means is that in every situation, regardless of what's going on, there is a deep, deep love for her that overcomes any disagreement, any conflict that we could ever come across. We must love through Jesus. It's the greatest expression the world has ever experienced. And if you want to overwhelm your spouse today, love them like Jesus. Uh, And then the last thing is opportunity to glorify God. The Bible tells us that in everything that we do, we should do it for the glory of God. That doesn't exclude conflict. Conflict comes, how I handle it should display the glory of God. That's the way you overcome it. Uh, It can either bring honor to His name or it can bring dishonor to His name. So the way we respond... The words we say should always reflect on who our Lord is, and that's Jesus. Uh, So in every aspect of our lives, even in conflict, we should strive to lift up his name. And I want to close by this. John Piper says this about the gospel and about marriage. The gospel of Christ crucified for our sins is the foundation of our lives. Marriage exists to display it. And when marriage breaks down, the gospel is there to forgive and heal and sustain until he comes or until he calls. So here's the thing today. In our marriage, the best way, the most effective way to overcome conflict is through the gospel. And just as you're sitting there today as the band's getting ready to come, ask yourself this question how do I handle conflict with my spouse? Am I the Wild West version? Am I the Houdini version? Am I the cold version? Do I handle it biblically? Do I handle it with love? How do I handle it? And I think it should be a progression. I think, man, I just know when I was younger, I had the mentality that, in, in any argument, the, the sole purpose was for me to win it. But as I've gotten older, I've realized that, man, that done a lot of, lot of hurt and a lot of damage versus just yielding myself and going, God, let me handle this through the gospel. Let me handle this through your word. Let me handle this biblically. God, let me love her the way that you love me in this moment. Because even in conflict with the Lord, He's never destroyed us. He never threw us away. He always, always treated us with grace and love and mercy. And so as we get ready to sing, how do you handle conflict in your marriage? I pray that it's through the gospel. So this morning, as you stand, every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a moment. As we get ready to sing, I just want to ask a couple of questions. Be honest with yourself and be honest with your spouse. In this moment, in this moment, 11.53 a.m. on Sunday morning, is there unresolved conflict in our marriage? And if the answer is yes, my prayer is, is that you'll go to your spouse if you're sitting beside them, lean over to them and just simply say, I'm sorry. Can we, can we sit down? Can we resolve this through the gospel? Another question I want you to just ponder as they sing is are there any feelings or sins That I have buried. That are just wearing me down. And making me be less of the spouse that God has called me to be. And if there is today, and that answer is yes. And maybe it was even a word that was said from your spouse. Maybe it was something that they said ten years ago that hurt you. That you never resolved. If the Lord brings that up today, man, I pray that you will take care of it. Maybe lean over and go, hey, I'm sorry. Because here's the thing. The enemy wants you to stay divided. Because if the enemy can divide the family, he ultimately can divide the church. And when the church is divided, then goes the community and the nation. And so I would just ask you today, you may not even think of it this way, if there is division in your marriage, you have brought division in this church. And the simple fix is a a man named Jesus, who forgives, he's paid the price, and today he wants to restore. So that may be you today, and if it is, just simply take care of it. And then today you may be in here lost, And the only way you know how to handle anything is through the eyes of a lost person. Man, Jesus is here today. And Jesus wants to save you, forgive you, clean you up, create a new person. And he wants to just send you off with a whole new attitude and heart today. Whatever the need is today, I just ask you to come. Brother Ken will be standing here, I'll be standing here. Maybe it's just grabbing your spouse. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a friend. I don't know. I just ask you, if there's any conflict in the room, just simply let the Holy Spirit fix it today. And let's go forward with resolve that we will not let division or cracks or schemes of the enemy ever come into Warren Community Church. We're going to start with ourselves, and we're going to allow God to just take care of us and grow us and mend us. So, Father, I just ask you in this moment, Guys, we're all just sitting here, God, just pondering, Lord, on how we measure our lives when it comes to conflict. God, I pray that you will speak to us today. God, you will speak to our hearts. God, that if there's any problem, any issues, Lord, that today would be the day. God, it would be so amazing to see restoration come, reconciliation come. God, just be amazing to see you at work. You hear testimonies, Lord, next week of how you have worked in different marriages. God, maybe somebody in here today walked in, God, ready to just throw their hands up and quit. God, I pray today that the enemy be defeated. God, and they fight. Fight through the gospel today. Fight with the gospel today. Lord, whatever the need may be, God, we just give it to you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Sunday Sermons. If you want to learn more about us, visit warrencommunitychurch.org.